0: and welcome to the sixth episode of Slime Time, the official Dragon Quest, Dragon's Den podcast.
1: This is Platy M3. And this is Liam Land. So uh, we've got an exciting treat for you today um, because the game we're going to be discussing is one we've never played. That's right. We're going to be completely talking out of our
0: asses on this one.
1: (laughs) And thankfully, we've got a special guest to talk us through the game uh, and answer the many questions that we have. And questions other people have, too. So...
0: Joining us today is our Dragon Quest 10 streamer, Nawaria. She's from the Dragon's Den team, and we'd like to welcome her to joining our party.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us today. So, um, you know, we joke around about uh, discussing a game we've never played before, but this is actually an important podcast episode for us and for fans uh, because discussing DQ10 helps to give many of us a window into what we're missing out on in the West, and uh, it may inspire others to try the game or help to uh, promote the idea of a Western localization as well. Right. So, uh, Plata, you want to you want to dig into uh, ten questions for Noaria to start it off?
0: Yeah. Um, so before we get talking about uh, Dragon Quest 10 we'll get to know you a little better, Noaria. How did you get into the Dragon Quest series?
2: Okay, so um, my older brother had a Nintendo, and he received a copy of Dragon Warrior with a subscription to Nintendo Power. And it was the, the version that came with um, the all the maps all the little hint cards I remember spending hours staring at and trying to memorize the experience chart Mm -hmm. Um, and the different uh, the the particular map that showed in in color-coded fashion where on the world which of the monsters were so that I'd know when I was safe to go this much further from the castle so that was my first Dragon Quest experience. I think I was about seven.
0: Nice. All right. Yeah. yeah. Liam missed out on that freebie, but uh, yeah, that's how I got. I into, that's how I got into the game. And hearing yeah. everybody over the years talk about how hard the first ones were, there's no direction. I was right, always right. Like, I always had a numbered map. How did you get lost? What are you talking about?
1: I just had to. I just had to kind of feel my way through. Like, oh, oh, all right, wizard. Definitely, definitely, too. You know, our uh, magician definitely uh, needs to step back, kill some more slimes.
2: <laughs> I was watching a friend play the version that got ported to the Switch recently, which I'm told is um, the... Uh super famicom version of the game that had been ported to mobile and then it was brought to the switch and when i saw things like key items having a sparkle on the ground instead of you having to count paces and go search for them i thought (laughs) what in the heck is this this isn't the the nintendo hard game that i played as a kid
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit more hand-holding in that one
2: yeah a lot (laughs) much friendlier to to newer people to the series or anyone wanting to go back and play the early games after playing one of the more recent ones.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely. So so what is your favorite game in the series?
2: Uh, Up until a couple years ago, I would have said without a doubt that it is Dragon Quest IV, uh, because I love the story. Um, It was the most nostalgic game of the series for me when I played it as a kid and then kept going back to it growing up, and I loved the character development and the variety of characters. And then I played Eleven, (laughs) and it did all those (laughs) same things. It had the excellent story, a great cast of characters, and amazing character development, and they were kind of used in the same way, where each character has their own role to play in the party, and Eleven is just such an amazing game, I can't say that enough. And by the time I finished it, it finally overrode all my nostalgia, and I had to admit that 11 was my new favorite.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, for, I, I look at it in terms of like classic versus um, modern, I guess. And 4 is still my favorite of the classic series. Uh, again, for the same reasons, just amazing uh, characters. And, um, chapter based plot and music is, is all fantastic in that game. Agreed. Um, and I, while 11 doesn't have as g- a good original music, I would say, um, the characters uh, and story, like little plots and everything, um, everything, including all the way up through act three is just, a, it's, it's a very rewarding game to play.
0: Mm-hmm. I know when you asked me that question, Liam, a couple months ago, that's what I said, you know, I. Loved four, loved eight, five had the great story. But then, uh, yeah, 11 is a year later, I can easily look
1: back and say, that's it. That's my number one now. And hey, come on. How how do you not smile with Silvando and the Soldiers of Smile?
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: How do you not smile at a character that hands another character a piece of shit? <laughs> or ha- hands, a, hands a boss a piece of As shit? The boss. <laughs> yeah, with his bare hand. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, so, um, so would you, uh, do you have a favorite character in the series?
2: Uh, I do, and unsurprisingly, well, maybe, um, since 4 was my original favorite, my favorite character is actually uh, Christo or uh, Kirill in more modern localizations. Yes! Yes!
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: is that another agreement?
0: Completely. He's definitely one of my top three. Uh, everybody um, always nags on him for casting the defeat spell. <laughs> ah! well, you
2: know, once you understand how his AI works, you understand why he does it. And you know, Necrosaro just has so many different forms.
1: <laughs> he's he's fantastic in Heroes too. I like the. Uh, oh yeah, his, I
2: love how they they made coup de Gra just yeah. to joke on how much people <laughs> rag on the AI
1: Uh (laughs) uh-huh they were very self-aware about that uh,
2: (laughs) yeah and his uh
0: his Russian accent
2: love was uh was uh something that kind of got me um from from an early age so yeah that's the one thing that I really wish they'd done with the DS remake of Dragon Quest IV was localize the party chat and hmm. that that's why when people ask, Hey, which version should I get? I say, Well, if you can handle the controls, go with mobile, because it does have the party chat.
0: Yeah, we've had a discussion going on in the den just recently. Someone was asking what are the definitive versions, and yeah, most people are definitely putting the mobile one for that reason.
1: Yeah. yeah. Although I mean I'm I'm replaying because I, I just uh replayed uh Dragon Quest four on the DS with Sophia as the, as the lead. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing it again on mobile. And I like, I a hundred percented it on DS. So, like I went through and played through the whole bonus dungeon. and I'd never done that before. So that was interesting. Um, and, uh, and so now I'm in, I'm in the mobile version and I have the party chat, but I still like every time I go down a well, it takes me like two or three tries to get out of it. Cause I keep going <laughs> back down the well. <laughs> or like up the stairs down the stairs like I'm trying to I'm trying to I go up the stairs and then try to move left and he goes back down the stairs. Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I am I am having fun with it. It's it's one of the um one of the games I play on my commute. So I will, you know, I just I just got the final key, so one of the first things I did was go back to Lakanaba and put Torneco in the front of my party and just rob his old boss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Because screw that guy, he was underpaying us. That was, that <laughs> <laughs> that one hit a little too close to home.
2: How many swords oh, of malice is that worth?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got the ice school jerk out of that though, so that was
0: all good. Oh man, how many times did I how many hours of my life did I waste trying to get someone to sell me the sword of malice? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... the, fun
2: thing, the fun thing with that is chapter three of four. DQ4 is uh, my younger brother's favorite chapter of the game. So we just hand him the controller and he'd do the the, the The shop stuff over and over and over again because he loved it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a future salesman right there.
0: (laughs) Oh, the patience for that. So uh, that was a fun little game mechanic. And number four, do you have any other game mechanics that you actually love through the series, either monster collecting or um jeez anything the job systems skill systems something you really Uh, enjoy
2: i have one that's battle oriented and that is the um the placement system in dragon quest 10 which i know one of the later questions is about that so i can explain in more detail there um or i can talk about it now
3: either way okay
2: So, in Dragon Quest X, where you are on the battlefield matters a lot, um, especially depending on what your class is. If you're a tankier class, you're a melee fighter, you need to be closer to the boss, but if your weight stat is sufficiently high enough, you can actually move the monsters around. You can push Uh, uh, monsters away from your squishier characters if, you know they're a melee type monster, they won't be able to hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you are a mage type, you have to be a certain distance away to be able to throw single target spells. Or if you're using an area of effect spell, you have to be close enough to the enemy to hit it where you're standing when you cast it.
1: Okay. So- that's, that's interesting. Yeah, That was actually one of the uh, questions that Wudis had asked, because um, he noticed uh, just from watching your stream that um, there's a lot of times where characters are pushing the bosses around Mm -hmm. and he was just wondering like this if there's any specific or strategic advantage to that so it sounds like there is
2: yeah there is there's uh a lot of that and you know where you place things on the ground that are harmful to enemies or beneficial to your allies you know it makes a difference there are some some spells that you can techniques that you can put uh, a circle on the ground that will increase the chance of magic going haywire but if you're putting it somewhere where you know your cleric or your sage or whatever can't get to then what's the point
3: Right. So, right. yeah
2: it's it's pretty important it, that combined with the timing of the the unseen uh, ATB bar Um, make for some really interesting mechanics that make DQ-10 unlike any other MMO I've ever played.
0: That's pretty cool because my favorite battle system, and I think I've said this a few times, is the Grandia battle system. And that has a lot of those moving around, area of effect, and uh, the placement of your characters is really important throughout that series. And even the Legend of Heroes like Cold Steel and Trails in the Sky have a little bit of that too. And I love those mechanics. I mean, I love Dragon Quest, but that kind of battle system where those actually play a part
1: is pretty cool. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite job class in DQ10 or any other uh, class based DQ games?
2: Uh, I do. Uh, my favorite class, especially in 10, is Sage. Um, I've always been fond of magic types and sage is that really fun combination of being able to throw really strong spells at enemies, but also be a healer and also get some, some buffs or debuffs in there too. So I have a lot of fun kind of being mostly damage, but also backup healer for my, uh, uh, my friends when when we go out doing story together
3: nice I, yeah nope.
0: I, I was talking about this earlier today what is it sack chief posted like who's your favorite character in dragon quest 11 and i mentioned specifically i was like no nope, it's got to be oh. specifically this <laughs> i know Se- what you're gonna say second act serena
2: ah <laughs> uh, yes second I, act serena. i can, I can see that, that... Spoil- spoilers spoilers
1: yeah right.
0: All I'll say is that's that's the sage. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. The sage. I I was actually thinking about this on the walk to work the other day, and just the second act Serena. Yeah, Act Two Serena. Like you know, d- thoroughly amazing ca- um, character development mm-hmm. that then gets unwritten and its Act Two only. I was
0: very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Shush. I was very excited because Tim Rogers liked my tweet of that. I was like, oh, (laughs) my tweet. He read that. He liked it. (laughs) Mr. I love Dragon Quest video himself. Nice. So, got a question for you. Because you're playing the game that a lot of Dragon Quest fans wish they could be playing. Right. Are there any games in the Dragon Quest franchise that you haven't played that you wish you'd get around to?
2: I have had a... 3DS copy of Dragon Quest 7 since Christmas last year and I haven't started it yet because I am holding out hope that I will someday be able to get a 3DS capture card and be able to stream it blind um Still still working on that, the company that had been doing that for a lot of people actually went out of business. so oh uh,
1: yeah, I think I know who you're talking about because I was yeah. looking into that for uh, I wanted to stream Dragon Quest Nine multiplayer at one point. Uh, yeah. and then I just realized like the the capture card for it was just non existent anymore. Um, and what I did find was on um, the second hand market was pretty pretty pricey.
2: yeah, so i I've heard rumors that it may be making a comeback possibly we'll see um if it turns out to be nothing and i run out of versions of dragon quest 11 to play then i might start 7 up so that i can (laughs) finally get through it the most questy of all the dragon quests i have heard
1: oh it is Um, it's quite content heavy
2: so that that one is the only one in the main series that i haven't played okay
1: cool so, uh, if you could play only one DQ game for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: Eleven, hands Definitely down. Can, can I bring all my versions with me?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> because
2: because I have both the PS4 and 3DS versions in Japanese, and this no, and I just got the Switch version in Japanese, and I've got it in English on PS4. And I will have a Switch version of it soon, so.
1: <laughs> nice. Is there have, a version you like uh, better than the other versions?
2: I am loving some. I've only played a tiny bit of the Switch version in Japanese so far, and mm. I'm loving some of the bonus stuff that they added. Um, the well, first off, for someone who plays games in Japanese, they added on the ability to have furigana, which is the the readings above the kanji. So it makes it so much easier to read words that you don't know and look them up. Uh, as someone who plays in both languages, that's that's hugely beneficial to me. But I love that they've added some more outfits or gear that change your appearance. I love that they also have a new equipment slot that is appearance only. Um, and there's there's some other things that they added that I don't want to get into because um, I haven't seen them for myself yet, or I only know a tiny bit about it, and I don't want to hear anything else until I get there.
1: <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> I, enough.
0: My one disappointment so far playing through, I'm going through completely in 2D mode mm-hmm. and on the Switch, and I was disappointed that I can't play dress-up in 2D mode. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, no cat
2: suit, Veronica.
0: I can't keep cat suit, Veronica, the whole game. I uh, I have to stare at the hero's hair at some point.
2: Oh, wow. interesting. I guess I hadn't tried putting it into 2D mode on the switch yet because I'm currently also playing 2D mode on my 3DS. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to play since I'm playing two versions at the same time, I'm do <laughs> want to do them differently. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. I guess the one thing I've found about 2D mode that makes it a little more difficult is when you can't see the monsters on the map, it's hard to do the side quests that require you to find an evolved form of a monster. Uh-huh. Or the game compensates for it by giving them to you, a ton of them in a row. Like, I can't tell you how many golden cactus balls I fought going <laughs> through the desert. <laughs> when you
0: first said that about you getting over in abundance, the first thing I thought is, oh my gosh, I almost died. Because it was like every battle was one of those gold cactus uh-huh. balls. And I yep. swear to God, they got like four times the life as the regular ones. And they hit hard.
2: They do. They are terrible. Uh, I think that's the first evolved monster that you run across in the game. And mm-hmm. they're such a punch in the face.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that. Is, that, that was definitely, I think... i've been having an easy time of it um pretty much and that was the one thing that i was like wow these are almost like boss fights i'm having to expend a lot on this
2: yeah i'm like i don't have i don't have revive yet quick get to town (laughs) i'm losing out on experience (laughs) poor
1: eric So if you, if you had to choose one DQ game to get the axe, this is the opposite of the, the you know, rest of your life question. One, one DQ game gets the axe to be erased from history. Which would it be?
2: I spent a very long time thinking about this and debating. <laughs> and I had it narrowed down to either, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this, either two or six
1: yeah. Oh, I don't know if you get was, a lot of flack. That's two that's...
2: was mostly because the mechanics were so busted in the NES version.
1: Yeah, yeah um, I hear that. But
2: but then I was I was talking about it with a friend, and they they got on my case. They're like, if you get rid of two, then Builders Two can't happen. <laughs> 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 and I mean, other than the fact that it's it's so hard because they they originally only um play tested it with one monster in the fight which is why when you get four monsters in the fight it's incredibly difficult um but that's how the unfortunately how it wound up getting balanced for the nes version and that combined with the monsters having instant death spells oh yeah it made made the end game so brutally unfair
1: yeah, but... that that's that comes up uh, quite a bit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah.
1: the, the Ro- death spells in Roan that are unblockable.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Roan. Oh my gosh. But in the end, I was like, well, I don't want to get rid of any part of the Urdric trilogy. That really needs to stay as it is. And even though four is is like my baby, and five, I can even objectively say has a better overall story than four does six just seems like kind of the the weakest weakest link to me um the the story got kind of a little lost at times at least that's how i felt when i was playing um some of the the triggers were not super clear so you'd end up wandering around trying to figure out what you needed to do next um, that's
1: actually what i like about six Is the nonlinear, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, in in the in the original version, you had to. uh, They had remember spells, like memory spells, because it was so massive that you you'd forget what you're supposed to be doing. So you you could click a remember spell to remember something somebody said in case it's important later. You know like that—that's that that, they, they, a very
2: they, interesting mechanic.
1: And they took that out of the remake, but I, it was in the original. It was just something kind of interesting. And then, like I guess you—you you, you could also have a forget spell for if you have like a bunch of older junk that people said you don't need to remember anymore. But that's
2: uh, so interesting. Why'd they get rid of that?
1: I don't know. There's certain little things that that sometimes get dropped from remakes. I guess at that point they figured you could just write stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, definitely uh, so. two two and six are probably the the biggest complaints that you hear about DQ games are about those those two. Uh, even though I I like six's music and some of the music from two is also really really excellent.
2: Yeah yeah so yeah to answer the the question long story short in the end I had to go with six
1: definitely.
0: Hey, yeah uh, that's my choice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, yeah it, it could go it could definitely go. All right, we're coming to the end of your uh, personal questions here. But if you could okay. cosplay, if you could go cosplay as any DQ character, who would you want to dress up as and why? Uh,
2: the first one that came to mind is actually uh, Serena. Uh Legit. I, Yeah.
1: Act two hair Serena or act <laughs> one and three hair Serena? I, I
2: personally prefer having long hair. So, yeah, I... I, I original act 1 act 1 how how you first meet her um so some of her her alternate outfits are super cool uh so if if i ever did i would have to take a close look at that and see if i wanted to do one of those instead um aside from her i also thought 11 would be interesting so the hero of 11 to to do um or possibly kiril <laughs> Nice. Which, which was interesting, and it, it reminds me, I was playing uh, Itadaki Street, the 30th anniversary Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy edition uh, last weekend, and he was one of the characters that I was facing off against. And one of his random lines of dialogue at the beginning of his turn is, this, this hat is unexpectedly heavy. Do you want to try wearing it? <laughs> and uh that occurred to me when I was considering this question. And I thought, you know what? Why not? <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs>
1: so uh congratulations. We heard that your stream just had an anniversary. Can you can you tell us about how you celebrated?
2: Yeah, so it was the uh the two year anniversary of starting up the channel. Um so I took uh Last weekend and then the Monday, which was the actual anniversary date. And uh, I I let chat vote on um, a list of games, uh, see which ones they wanted me to play. And uh, just chose a handful of them and did played them in large blocks uh, over the weekend. And ended it with a Dragon Warrior randomizer seed uh, that, that was specifically chosen for me by one of my mods uh, because my, my channel mask mascot, I guess, we use a lot of Drakis. And because the very first randomizer seed I ever played on stream had Drakis with Hurtmore, because uh, if you don't know how the randomizer works, it kind of mixes up all of the spells uh, that the monsters can have. And so you get this really low level enemy with Hurtmore spell, and it wiped me out. And it was so unexpected that uh, everyone thought it was hilarious, so then <laughs> Drakies kind of became my
1: thing nice
2: so so the seed that I just played uh, my mod specifically searched for one that would also have Drakies with her hurt more so that they could wipe me out again, and they did
3: <laughs>
2: but then we also played um a, a handful of other games uh, Played some some stuff on the the Switch. I played, or uh, m- one of my mods and I, we played an Untitled Goose Game. Uh, I did some Kirby. Uh, played some Itadaki Street or Fortune Street as it's been localized, and uh, some Jackbox games.
1: Nice. Yeah, I like. Uh, there's some really really good Jackbox games out there. I love like mm-hmm. Drawful and.
2: Yeah, and the. Um, the sixth party pack just came out on the 17th. So we were mostly giving that one a whirl.
1: Nice. <laughs> so um, before we get into the Dragon Quest 10 um, uh, questions, which there are many, we we pooled our resources on this one and came up with just every question that we could possibly think of. Um, I did just want to talk uh, a little bit about um, Dragon Quest 10 fandom in Japan. Um, cause while I was living over there, I, I, and while I was just, uh, visiting, um, uh, I did get to see a lot of, uh, different Dragon Quest 10 promotions going on. First, uh, in, back in 2016, when I was actually going over for, um, a trip to the Dragon Quest museum and to uh, see my future wife, um, I actually got to go to the, to the museum and see, uh, just all of this different artwork about the, um, franchise and they had everything from every game up to that point, which 10 was the latest one in 2016. So, um, when it gets to the part where they're promoting dragon quest 10 in the museum, they had a live feed where people could sign on to like the museum server and play, and just, you could watch them play the games and they had, uh, multiple different feeds, uh, multiple TVs that you could watch people play on the, on the museum feed. And they also had a screenshot contest, which you could vote for the best screenshot, which I thought was really cool. Um, so that's what they did for, um, DQ 10 at the, uh, at the museum. Um, and then, uh, probably about a year later, um, I got to see the, uh, DQ 10 mosaic, um, which is a giant mosaic of, uh, of, Dragon Quest Ten characters at the Shinjuku train station, um, and all of the mosaic. Like if you walk up real close, you'll see that every every little um, pixel in the mosaic was somebody's screenshot. So that the entire, into- ah. yeah, yeah, it was it was fantastic. So um, if you're listening to this on the YouTube version, um, hopefully you you can see some screenshots of that, um, and otherwise I'll I'll post some to uh, the Twitter feed as well. Um, but that was uh that was really interesting and, and uh there were so many people there taking photos you, it was kind of hard you had to wait for people to get out of the way so you could take your own photos um and then other uh, promotions that they do um included like the Square Enix cafe um they would do uh entire themed i think i was there for the fifth year anniversary of uh of Dragon Quest 10 um probably about a year or two ago and uh um, they had, it was, it was Christmas themed. So it was like the, the, the drinks and everything were based on different, um, Dragon Quest 10, uh, races like Ogre and Weddy and everything. And, um, and they were all, I think they had them in Santa hats, like for the, um, for the promotion. So it was pretty interesting, but they, uh, Japan has just such a massive following for this game that they'll they'll do just different pop ups stuff like that. Um, so it's amazing to um to see how far their fan base goes with this particular game,
2: yeah, I mean, that's why it's getting to what it's eight year anniversary. So oh wow, and, then it was and...
1: three years ago.
2: <laughs> this is actually the the day that uh, version 5, the fourth expansion, released.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, nice.
2: So I'm, I'm not surprised I... that for as old as the game is, it keeps getting uh, modernized and brought up to standards of, of local cons or uh, current consoles. And with as much as Japan loves Dragon Quest, uh, I hope it keeps going for a long time to come.
0: Hey, Final Fantasy XI still got there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, fourteen by all accounts, their latest expansion was the best yet.
2: Hoping for the yeah. same thing with uh, with DQ10.
1: Nice. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, how long have you been playing DQ10, and how did you connect with the Dragons Den team?
2: So, I started playing it in June of 2016. That is the earliest that I had a computer that was capable of running it, and, because I never owned a Wii or a Wii U. Um, I was actually gifted a copy of the game that included uh, the, the vanilla version 1 plus the first and second expansions, so it was uh, versions 1 through 3. Uh, it, was, it was gifted to me as a thank you for doing a bunch of translations for Builders 1, actually. <laughs> um, from a friend who was also a member of the Dragon's Den team. And so once I got into the game and got started and reached the point where I could join a team, uh, it was just natural that I would go join the Dragon's Den.
1: Nice. So how how difficult is the setup? Do you recommend like a specific uh, FAQ or a guide for new players who want to try to get started?
2: Oh, man. Uh, bear with me here. This is going to take a little while. Uh, The difficulty in the setup is different depending on which system you're playing on but generally speaking the language barrier makes it kind of rough even if you have, you know, like a a screen capture translator because some of those just don't get the fine details. On top of that, Square Enix Japan doesn't accept foreign credit card payments so you usually have to take kind of a roundabout way of paying for anything that they would usually just take your money directly for. Um, So for new players, what I really recommend is downloading the trial version of the game, which has only been around for probably about a year. Uh, You can play for free. Uh, it does have a couple of restrictions to it, but it doesn't get in the way of enjoying the story. And you can play it all the way up to the end of 2.3, which is about 75% of the way through version 2. Um it won't get you to the end of version 2, so you don't get to fight the final boss, but it's super close. And for people who are just looking to try out the game, it also means you don't have to purchase the game or any of the expansions just yet, or start paying for a subscription until you've had enough time in the game to know if it's something you want to continue doing. The, um, I guess the downside of the trial is it's only available for PC or PS4. Uh, there is also a version that's available for the Switch, but you have to finish Dragon Quest XI for the Switch to get the code to unlock it. So let's just leave that one aside, because <laughs> people aren't going to do that. Um, but as for guides for getting started, um, I definitely recommend the forum on the Dragon's Den there's a Dragon Quest X subcategory, and there are a lot of guides that are pinned there. Um, some of them even have like yeah. screenshots walking you through step-by-step. Step. You need to click here. You need to type this here kind of thing to set up you know, a Japanese Square Enix account to input the serial codes for the games that you've purchased, um, even to, to help set up a VPN, which there are a couple of free options out there. Uh, if if you need one, I know currently the US doesn't have an IP block. We don't know how long it's going to last, so people should be prepared for that. Um, but currently, uh, the US doesn't need it. Canada does. Uh, some of my Canadian friends are kind of unhappy about that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would suggest. There are a lot of really helpful people that can answer a lot of the set up questions or hey this i'm getting this weird error can you tell me what i might be doing wrong kind of thing on the forums
1: sounds good canada shouldn't be too upset they're getting dragon quest walk when we're not
2: are they (laughs)
0: no
1: no (laughs) no no. they're in the beta right no Uh, wrong wrong app oh you're right dragon quest of the stars that's my yeah
2: I, was yeah. like, I Thank hadn't you. heard about Walk getting brought to the West. at
1: <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I was sorry, gonna say guys. that that I had to jump right
0: in. there like, whoa, 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 pull up. Yeah, so yeah. Let's yeah. be clear. Cut, cut that
2: part. <laughs> cut
0: that part. Canada's also getting Dragon Quest X. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: piss everybody off right
1: now. Right, oh, right.
2: Man.
1: And now it's on the podcast forever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, just edit that part out just a little bit.
1: What's no, editing? Don't. We didn't. We don't edit. We don't edit anything until I go <laughs>
3: robo.
1: <laughs> so uh, all right. So you you talked about different versions and everything. There's you know console versus the, multiple console versus a uh, PC and everything. Out of all the re- all of the releases, uh, which would you say is the definitive edition of Dragon Quest Ten?
2: The, the cool thing about D- DQ10 is that all versions have the same content and everything is cross-compatible. So no matter what system you're on, you can play with everybody else. Um, it's it's still available on Wii U. It's on PC, PS4, Switch, 3DS, and mobile. So you you really have your, your pick of just whatever works best for you. Uh, the one con I will point out is PS4. Uh, the sub is a little bit more expensive because it forces you to have five character slots instead of the standard three that all the rest of the systems start with. And there's like an add-on that you can put onto your subscription that gives you those extra character slots, but the PS4 one just kind of automatically starts with your subscription being slightly more expensive.
1: Yeah, I I remember... Um, talking to Cranberry actually about that she, she mentioned because I bought I bought the uh all in one mm-hmm. version 1 1 to 3 when I was in Japan and um, just, like 2 months later version 4 came out um and uh and um and when I was talking to her about you know how to get started and everything she she did say it was going to be more expensive for the PS4 version and I was like oh, mm-hmm. sh- shit <laughs> so it's <laughs>
2: it's i mean it's maybe a difference of like l- a couple bucks a month. I usually buy my subscriptions the max that it'll allow, which is three months at a time, so I don't have to keep going in there every month doing the thing. But um, yeah, it's it's a little bit... it's got a couple more steps if you're also doing the PS4 route, because you have to like add money to your wallet and then convert that to Dragon Quest points, and then go to the website and use those points to pay for your subscription. Whereas every other system, uh, I believe, you just go to the website and you pay your subscription. So the the other thing is the PlayStation Network is a little bit pickier about VPNs. So if you're in a place that needs one, um, a VPN that might work just fine on, say, PC or Switch might not get you through the security of the PlayStation Network to connect for your PS4. So, things to consider.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, there's a lot to be considered with the setup. Um, it, I kind of, I researched it for a while and then I just made my head spin. So, I said, you know, I don't know if I want to spend the, <laughs> the uh, subscription fees while I'm trying to figure this out. I'll just be kind of bleeding out without being able to figure right, it out. But, right, right. But, uh, but, yeah, so, um, so your, your pick would be, uh, would be, Switch version or like or, or PC Switch over or, PS4? Yeah,
2: Switch or PC. Um, I personally play on PC because I only just got a Switch. Uh, mm. I don't think I'll be changing over uh, because I don't, I don't really want to take my Switch with me anywhere because it's the the Loto edition, and I don't want anything to happen to it. So it's going to be one of those less mobile Switches.
3: <laughs> nice. Um,
2: <laughs> But yeah, the the PC version is really good. The graphics are like only just a little bit of a notch below the PS4 graphics. And it's the easiest one, especially if you need to do a VPN, because if you're somewhere that needs a VPN, you still need to set up something that the Switch can connect to for it. You can't just, as far as I'm aware, from what I understand from my friends who do play on the Switch, you need to have some kind of connection set up that you like elsewhere on a pc or whatever that you are connecting the switch to in order to access it
0: i I guess i I was trying to think how i would go about doing that setting up a vpn for my wi-fi and yeah that just thinking about that i was like no there's way too many steps there
1: yeah (laughs) you'd have to kind of like you'd have to proxy it to a uh Mm -hmm. or yeah you'd have to connect it I i remember researching that as well for ps4 and that was another reason why i ended up uh
0: at PC. Um, I click a button and it begins running. That's easy enough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's uh, it's been mentioned that uh, you do some translation work on your stream. Uh, can you tell us about your process and like what what exactly you're translating?
2: Um, so you might uh, I I have an answer, but let me know if there's something that I'm not answering that you want to ask about the process. Um, so when I stream games in Japanese, I'm mostly doing it to translate the story. Uh, I'll usually kind of do a once-over for the menu and kind of say, okay, this is this and this is this. Um, But other than that, it's just, okay, this character has just said this thing and that's what this is. And um, I know there are other Japanese streamers who, who read the text aloud in Japanese and then translate it, but that would take... Even longer than it already does if I did
3: that. <laughs>
2: so, so I just, just do straight translation. And um, I started with Dragon Quest 10. That was the first game I started streaming because I just really felt like the story needed to get out there for the people who couldn't play it. And uh, a friend of mine who had been streaming it stopped around that time. Um, he cut his subscription and decided he wasn't going to play anymore and he was only about halfway through the fir- the first expansion so halfway through version 2 and i thought well this this sucks i i i could do this i need to make sure it's out there so uh even Even though I'm a terrible introvert, I thought well i, I can... it's not like I have to look at the people <laughs> that I'm streaming to. I can just talk at my computer screen. it'll be okay, so I decided to start streaming, and Dragon Quest Ten has been with me the whole way
1: nice Excellent. um
2: as as far as like my setup, I usually have a browser window set to my favorite online dictionary, and I've got Google Translate on my phone, Mm -hmm. but those I really only use for kanji that I don't already know. So when I'm looking at a sentence, basically like the structure and the verb conjugation and things like that are things that I learned in college. And so it's mostly just finding out those words I don't know and then putting the sentence together Um, On my own so people who are like what do you use use Google Translate and I laugh and say no That you can't do whole sentences in Japanese with Google Translate. It (laughs) comes it comes out
3: bonkers
2: (laughs) So yeah, it's I mostly playing games in Japanese is a way for me to keep up with my language learning From back in college so that I don't lose all of it because it's a very difficult language and if you don't keep accessing your your memory of it and and whatnot you're gonna lose it all
1: yeah i i I hear that i'm slowly learning japanese my son we're raising bilingually Uh and uh he's he's learning at a faster rate at least like the interpretation um faster than me and he's two so
2: (laughs) yeah i've I've been at this for years and i think I'm probably at about 6th grade level with a high slant towards a lot of high fantasy vocabulary that your average person doesn't <laughs> use on a daily basis. By
1: like, Hoimy? <laughs>
2: oh, Don't get me started. The spells, the spell names are kind of all like sound effects. <laughs>
3: so
2: That's why some of them sound, you know, they're re- repetitive sounds and stuff in it and whatnot. And that's why... Even though they're less intuitive, the more modern localizations of the spell names make a lot more sense as, you know, a localization, because these are nonsense words in Japan, too. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> spells, spells are interesting. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time studying them and trying to figure out what they all do uh, so that I could, you know, menu through them quickly when I need to in battle.
3: Nice, I,
0: I think I had a few down. Uh, I think it was Joker, the first Joker I played completely through in Japanese, and there were definitely a few spells that I memorized.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: but they were and it, I didn't uh, I had a lot of AI set in that game, just to, yeah <laughs> so I didn't have to pick as much.:
2: yeah, that's that but. is also something I find myself doing when I'm playing 11. Just so mm-hmm. I don't have to think so much about what every single person's doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So, lots of uh, stuff to translate. Lots of stuff to read. But there's also yes. a lot of different um, races in the game. You're not, you're not just humans. Right. Uh, go Can you explain the character races and any advantages or disadvantages each one has? Or
2: I'm, I'm going to start with the, the second part of that first. Okay. It's very interesting. This game doesn't have specific advantages or disadvantages for any of the races. You would think looking at them that they would have different stats it's in you know some way like the mm-hmm. you know the big strong looking ogres would have a higher strength stat or you know the little tiny Puklipo would have a, a higher, I don't know, agility stat,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Defne- deafness, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it, they don't, it's actually the same. Um, and and it goes for humans as well. Um, so uh, and I feel like they could have done that, but if they did, then everyone who plays an ogre would go for like a warrior or a paladin or mm-hmm. you know martial artist, something that would really benefit from a, a strength stat or a high defense mm-hmm. stat kind of thing. And all of your mages would be the elves with, like, a really high attack magic or heal magic or something like that. And I think they just wanted to make it so that you could choose any combination of race and class that you wanted um, and just go have fun with your character, especially since in Dragon Quest X you can play every class on a single character. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: I did not know that. Yes. And you 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 had mentioned that you can't change races like once you're once you choose a race so, you can switch back to human but you can't change to another
2: right right so when you have to make the choice of one of the five races other than human um you've got the ogre which are kind of the big kind of burly looking ones that they're, they're usually red in color they live in an area that's like really rocky and mountainous and some of it's very snowy uh, so they're a very hardy race and then you've got the weddy which uh, I hear referred to as fish people
3: <laughs> uh, they,
2: they are usually blue sometimes green um, they've got you know fins on the the side of their head and on their back and their their continent is actually a chain of islands. And water and music are very important to them. There's a lot of beaches. There's one area that has coral all over it and kind of looks like you're underwater. Um, so that's the weddy. The elves uh, are usually uh, they run a range from like pink to purple. They're a little smaller in stature. Uh, they're probably like the the mid range for the five races. They have small wings on their backs. Uh, they, their continent is a very eastern style place um, with a lot of, of you know like pagoda type buildings or uh, those, you know, peaked roofs that you see in a lot of, of Japanese or Chinese architecture. Um, there's one area that is the trees are in full bloom as cherry blossoms all year round. Um, that's actually one of my favorite areas. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> then you have the the dwarf, which is a little bit shorter. Uh, it's different shades of green through all through kind of all of your choices there, and they're really big into mining. They've got a lot of of really impressive architecture that uses. A lot of kind of like big straight lines and a lot of jewels and things in that nature. And they're supposed to be really, um, really technical. They're like the most high tech of the races. And then the smallest one, you have the Puclipo, who are the the little round ones. And they're actually, their colors run the whole gamut. They're multicolored. And um, they... Uh, they're known as the the race of flowers Uh, and they kind of true to that they live in a lot of like grassy areas with tons of flowers around Um, everything is kind of smaller there to to fit their stature and their uh, kind of trait is that they're always known for uh, laughing or keeping spirits up there are a lot of entertainers that come from Huklepo race so th- those are the five races that you have to choose between. And you start the game as a human, and then, then things happen, and <laughs> you need to choose one of the five races, and that was actually, for a lot of systems, the point where you would start your online journey. Um, the, the prologue of the game, for most of the systems, is actually offline. So yeah. That, that's the point where you get in and you can see other players. The only thing that's different from one race to the next is the starting town. The story that you do when you're in that town, you can only do when you are that race. So if you wanted to see how the story for that, that starting town goes, I mean, you can access all of the towns no matter what race you are. But if you want to specifically see that story, you have to be that race. Okay. that's
1: interesting that's, so you that's
2: I... the only really missable content in the game and it's right mm-hmm. at the beginning
1: so that's so that's like one of the advantages of actually having the ps4 version where you have all of those slots yeah unlocked
2: yeah or i mean you could you could play the first story on one race and then delete that character and play another one or uh you could Check out my YouTube channel, because I recorded all of them. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for that reason. Because I can't play them all, I wanted to be able to at least show them off.
1: Cool. So um, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, versioning, you know, the uh, different expansions and everything. Okay. Um, can you give us some insight into how the versioning works? So there's, um, if you're playing multiplayer, does everyone have to have the most up-to-date version? Um, or no. is it chapter based, like where you say, like, all right, we're going to play version three, even though version four was released?
2: The, your access to places where that story takes place will be cut off if you don't have that version available. There are also some, any side quests that came along with that version, the uh, NPC that has it, even if you can go talk to them, the quest won't be available. Uh, you can play with people who have any version of the game. I've gone and, and done stuff with people who have the trial and it doesn't matter um, that, you know, I have through version 4 and they don't. Um, it's just it's just a matter of access. Uh, each version actually just builds on the story that's already there. And usually, not for everything, but usually there will be some kind of expansion to the world, like a place you couldn't go to before. All of a sudden, that's where the primary part of that next expansion is going to take place.
1: Uh, that sounds awesome.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, each one of the expansions is the length of a full video game. Like, each one of these is the size of Dragon Quest Eleven, And in story scope maybe some of them are actually bigger in map scope um wow yeah so yeah that's kind of
1: hard to think about (laughs) it's
2: like so this game now that it has uh version five is now five full dragon quests long it's that much story and it's all so good
1: wow how long are those zoom lists (laughs)
2: See that's the funny thing You don't get a zoom spell In Dragon Quest 10 You get what are called zoom stones Um, And you can set The stones to uh, Any location That has a Priest So towns If it's a big town actually There will be more than one location in town That you can set one Um, But yeah you gather stones By doing side quests Or by having a certain amount of subscription time that you've paid for, um, or, you know, getting further in the plot, you're rewarded with a new Zoom Stone, I think, every time you finish a version of the game. And then there there are other ways to kind of increase your number and, and make it so that you're not constantly feeling like, oh, I don't have a free stone to set to a place. I'm going back and forth between these three places, and I've only got that many stones. In the beginning of the game, it's going to feel a little bit like that, because you only start with one as you're going through. But, you know, you, one of the first things people are told to do is once you get access to it is, Go do that quest that gets you the extra zoom stone. It's super helpful.
1: <laughs> yeah, is there is there anything like in Dragon Quest Nine multiplayer? You have the call to action. Um, do, do they have anything like that, or is, what happens when you run out of zoom stone? So you're just like you're huffing it on foot.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you 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 don't uh, consume them as you use them. You can reset them to other places at any time.
1: Oh, okay
2: uh unless it's like a special one like when you buy a house you get another stone that is set to your house but you can't reset that stone to anywhere else it just stays in your list of zoom stones and it's your house stone Wow! there are are a couple that you get that are like that it's it's set to a specific place and you can't change that but you can change all these other ones to wherever you want to go wow
1: so you can get real estate as well
2: yes yes you can buy houses
1: wow that's pretty (laughs) Um, awesome
2: But the cool thing is, is if you're partied up with someone and they have Zoom stones, if it's a place that you've been to before, you can access their list of stones and use those as well. So if you're going around with a friend and the two of you feel like you're, you know, running out of stones, but you need to go around to all these different places, person A can set a stone to the first city, person... B can set a stone to the second city and you both can just use them and go back and forth.
1: Nice. Um, so, so there seem to be some, uh, main characters or NPCs added to each uh, version as well. Can you tell us about some of them?
2: Okay. I will try to keep this as free of spoilers as possible. (laughs) Um, so in, in version one, uh, there are, uh, a couple of NPCs for each of the five races that, uh, You'll kind of see um, in some of the, the quests that you do, um, as you go through each each continent has like a village, a town, and a city. And some of the NPCs that you meet in, you know, one of the, the in the village, let's say, when you get to the city, hey, that person has shown up here and they are kind of intertwined with the story for that place as well. Um, so that, that goes for all five of the races, and that's kind of how version one works. Uh, version two, the main NPC there is the hero princess on Lucia, um, who is destined to, to fight the big bad that's out there. And uh, honestly, she, she's, she's on her own. She kind of needs help, and that's what your character's there to do. And I think it's very interesting that uh, there's a whole chunk of the game where your character isn't like the star in the spotlight, but you are definitely the one making sure that the spotlight shines on her.
1: Interesting. So, so she she fights as an NPC party member.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There there are times that she does join your party as as an AI to fight, and and it's very cool. She has some specific abilities that are unique to her, and uh, it makes the fights very interesting because it introduces different mechanics that you have to pay attention to.
1: Hmm. Um, and are there, are there tactics as well, like in in games after uh, Dragon Quest Four, where they added that tactic system for control of the AI?
2: Yes. Uh, you can set the AI to. It's actually the same tactics that we've seen in in other games in the series. Uh, I think it's the exact same wording as you see in Eleven for the different battle tactics. Um, but the interesting thing, well, unlike Four, where you just had one tactic that you set everyone to back in the the NES days, uh, you can set your individual AI to whatever tactic you want, um, and. There, there is a point when you're when you're leaving your starting town that the game assigns you three AI that uh, just go with you to to kind of help along the way, and that's something that was only added at some point during version four because I remember playing and having to leave my town on my own and make it to the next town and hoping that I wouldn't get murdered along the way uh, because you can't you couldn't rent anyone until you got to a place that has a bar and the starter villages don't have one Um, but yeah once you get to a bar um, and you do a side quest for them that unlocks your ability to use it then you can rent anyone pretty much who has logged themselves off with the ability to be rented Um, you do have to pay uh, a little bit of gold for for the people, um, if you don't, if they're not friends of yours, friends you can rent for free. And people that are not your friends, you're going to have, uh, I think it's it's now set to you can go up to three levels above yourself that you can search in what's available to be rented.
1: In terms of, you, you're saying friends like uh, other people you've played with in the past or...
2: People you've added to your friends list. Okay, okay. So, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, a good way you can, sorry, just a sec. So you can, you know, set your healer up to be, you know, focus on healing. And you can set your warrior or your battle master to go all out or that kind of thing. Fight wisely, I think, is what most of the classes default to.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a way you can play without actually having other folks in multiplayer?
2: Yes, you can actually just rent other players' characters and use them.
1: Nice. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, play. Oh, I was going to say, are we
0: on to the uh, villains? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, this was pretty funny because this morning um, we've got a little group chat, Liam and I, going <laughs> with a couple <laughs> other members of the Dragon's Den. And uh, last night, I think one of the last posts in our group chat was about, oh, we'll ask about the villains or the main bosses. And so this morning, just like totally on a joke, I was like, well, you know, version one, um, there's an evil guy trying to take over the world. And then in version two, um, really you find out he's working for someone else. And then in version three, really he he softened up the world for this demigod. And in version four, it was really a big god of destruction. And in version five, it's Galaximos or something coming to
1: destroy (laughs) the whole world.
0: And I just like, put that out there and i all nobody, of us believed it yeah nobody laughed it was like wow that's it, liam was like laxmos that sounds a lot like oops i shouldn't say to you boss from a, <laughs> a guy from another dragon quest game let's put it that way but uh, about an hour later i was like wait a minute did you guys all believe me that i was totally kidding like <laughs> isn't that every <laughs> dragon quest game like there's a big bad guy go get him
1: I mean I there's a lot more, but (laughs) if that's what happens in ten, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. (laughs) So So... (laughs) To disprove me, I mean you don't have to get very spoilery,
0: but is there like a big final boss or is there a big bad in each version?
2: Yes, in each version there is a different final boss. Okay. Um because you know the the story just kind of goes it's I hate saying linear because it's not, because there's so much to do. But if you want to look at it, there is a timeline. It's like, okay, at the end of version one, you have defeated that final boss. Moving on the timeline, version two, there's this other even worse thing that has shown up. You have to defeat it before it destroys the world. There you go. There's version two. And it it just kind of expands from there. So it, I wouldn't say um like you joked that okay <laughs> this one is serving this one is softening things up for the next one but i mean it's like each time there's a new one it does seem to be like the situation is even more dire than it was the last time
0: okay well but like they are good, all
2: different yeah
0: you say like any good tv show or series you've always got to got to step it up like season to season you got to have yeah. a little bit more at stake
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that's kind of how the the final bosses work um for for me personally playing some of them felt a little bit more like oh i really feel like i've accomplished something having defeated this one uh i got that feeling a little bit more with some of the versions than with others mm-hmm. but uh there's oh, there's there's always that okay this this fight is really hard how are we going to get through this
1: definitely i i remember sitting in on one of cranberry streams one time and it was the dragon's den group fighting uh this i want to say it was like a giant purple dragon okay um and it was definitely a boss uh, i'd never seen this monster before and it just uh several times party wiped the entire group mhm and and that was after the the group had been wailing on it for like twenty straight minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think I know which one you're talking about.
1: <laughs>
2: yep, yep. It happens.
1: So it's and and the funny thing too is like you look at the the characters levels and everything, and some of the characters you know, you're used to games capping at ninety nine, but in mm-hmm. DQ ten it goes up above like in the in the hundreds. Yes, and current, some of.
2: Current- level cap is uh 110.
1: <laughs> so uh yeah, it, it, people were in like the 110 levels and still getting an entire party wipe when there was like five characters versus this one uh giant purple dragon. That's just a it's I guess a testament to how challenging the game can be.
2: Yes, yes. There is some I guess kind of end game content where there are super bosses that you can fight kind of in in gauntlets that, uh, that are meant to be challenging even when you're at level cap and even when you have completely leveled all of your classes. Because the cool thing about doing multiple classes and what I recommend doing it for is as you're putting skill points into those classes, you get passive points that actually apply to all classes so like i'm playing a warrior and i get some hp strength boosts that apply to all of my classes or uh if if you're putting skill points into a certain weapon they're going to apply to every class that uses it
3: excellent
1: so uh just one more question about the versioning um Mm -hmm. so you you mentioned the uh you mentioned that you can Choose to play different versions. If you have version, uh, let's say version, all in one, and you can you beat the bosses out of order, or can no. you play plots? Do you have to beat you have to beat them in order to play the next version?
2: Right, right. Okay. Um, if you just had, say, you bought a standalone copy of version four, you wouldn't be able to do anything with it because it knows when you try and load that up. You can't install this because you don't have versions 1, 2, and 3 installed. So it really is building on to the world that started with version 1. And you start in the same place no matter who you are. Um, though I guess once you choose your five races, then you're kind of, okay, you're starting in this part of the world and I'm over here. We're gonna have to find a town where we can meet up, so that makes it a little tricky when uh, you're playing with a friend who doesn't want to be the same race as you.
1: <laughs> so, um, one of the things I noticed, uh, just in being active on like social sites and stuff, I noticed Instagram has has a very large Dragon Quest X following. Oh, does it? Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of postings of screenshots. A lot of Japanese fans are on Instagram posting. Uh, screenshots of dq10 in particular okay um and it just a lot of it just shows different um in-game events or um maybe just the you know different uh like fashion shows or something or or just shots of them just hanging out in the game Mm -hmm. where it doesn't look like they're actually playing through a specific plot they're just kind of chilling um can you tell us about some of those in-game events, or do you have uh, any, any kind of side quests that, you, that are your favorites?
2: So the cool thing about being an MMO is it has a lot of seasonal events that come around. You know, They'll have some version of a quest available for a spring event, a you know, midsummer event, a Halloween event usually. They didn't do one this year. We're kind of bummed about that. A a Christmas (laughs) event or what have you. Um, And major holidays will also, most years, also have some kind of special limited time event that's going on for it. Um, So yeah, if it's it's based on a certain holiday or a time of year, often you can collect, and if you're really lucky, like an outfit or a mount prism, That has something to do with that. Oftentimes it'll be, you know, an accessory of some kind for like your face or an umbrella accessory, which is usually something on your back or that sits beside you. Um, So, yeah, they're just often just cute little things that give you little bonuses and they have little areas built up. Like, there's a particular place that's called like the Kingdom of Fairies. Where they have this massive cherry blossom tree, and the whole thing is a little bit of a callback to Dragon Quest V. Um, and a lot of the spring events will take place there, and the the Queen of Fairies is there, and and whatnot. And there will be, you know, something for you to do to help call spring or to help celebrate spring, and you'll get you know, a little accessory or an outfit or something as a reward for participating. And uh, those are actually some of my favorites because cherry blossoms are my favorite flower. I love them. Um, so spring definitely has a, a big place in my heart in Dragon Quest. But my other favorite holiday, or my favorite holiday, is uh, Tanabata, which is, in most places, celebrated uh, July 7th. And it's the it's, it's the day where if the sky is clear, then there's a flock of birds that will form a bridge across the Milky Way. And Orihime and Hikoboshi, the, the weaver and the shepherd, can meet one day a year. And and it's kind of a sad love story. But then people write wishes on little strips of paper and hang them on bamboo trees and hope their wishes come true. And that's, that's
1: Japanese mythology weaved into the game, right?
2: yes yes there's actually quite a bit of that um when it's seasonally appropriate and for for tanabata there's actually a little village that they've created and it's it's like just kind of one street with stalls on either side and when you go in there's there's music playing it actually feels like you're in japan at a festival in the summer uh there's there's fireworks and stuff that you can buy and light off and and sometimes you can pick up you know like one of those little masks that you wear on the side of your head or a yukata which is a uh like a very simple cotton kimono that people wear to festivals in the summer
1: yes i've and worn one
2: <laughs> i have I've worn two the- hanging in my closet
1: nice I've worn the uh the male equivalent of the uh Mm -hmm. the yukata to some festivals in in Japan when I was over there
2: it's it's so muggy there that time of year but yeah I I love the festival and you can in the game you can get the little strips of paper and you can write a wish and hang it on a bamboo tree that's there and you can look at the other wishes on the trees and it's actually things that other players have written you know like wow i i wish that i pass my exams this year i wish for health for my family i want a dog you know anything that you know dragon quest has such a huge age range of people just about anything you can think that someone might wish for Hmm. it's up there
1: is i wish for dragon quest 10 in the west is that on there
2: (laughs) i haven't actually seen that wish (laughs) But, can you uh, can you put
1: that up there for Pilati, for, for uh, Plati and Liam? I
2: promise that I will put that on my wish next Tanabata when that rolls around.
1: All right.
2: <laughs> Though maybe by ne- the time next summer comes, we'll have some kind of announcement.
1: That would be amazing. Uh,
2: so the uh, one thing I wanted to mention as far as the events go, the, the Tanabata event that actually happened this last summer had kind of an interesting twist. And it had... A part where you entered a kind of creepy, haunted mansion, but it's a, an Eastern style mansion, so you know, all the long walkways and sliding panels and stuff, and you'd get close to things and doors would fly open and there was a scream and whatnot, and I'm not good with scary things.
3: <laughs>
2: so, chat was having a field day when I was doing this part of the event, because I'm like, okay, it's Tanabata, we're gonna make a wish and and watch some shooting stars and light off some fireworks, and then I went into the event blind. Usually I play things beforehand on my main character so I know what I'm doing, but this particular time I didn't have enough time before stream to do that, so my stream character was the first one to play it. and. I was not prepared.
1: <laughs> was there a lot of screaming involved?
2: Uh, I had to cut off a, you know, bite my tongue a couple of times to keep from swearing because I try not to when I'm streaming. <laughs> but uh, man, I came close. Oh, so boy, now, now good. chat is like, oh hey, that was fun. You should do something for Halloween. So, nice. so we're thinking about it.
1: Maybe Silent Hill. I heard that's fun.
2: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be screaming,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh we talked a little bit about you know new players playing with the veteran some of the dq ten veterans and everything. How is that um game slash team balance when a new player begins to play with you guys?
2: Uh there's there's just so much information for the the new people to take in when they first get into the game so there's a a, also a lot of people on the team trying to to answer questions and be helpful so i mean hopefully we're not you know inundating them with too much but uh when we're going around you know someone's like can someone help me do this there's you know Usually a few people logged in at any given time and, you know, someone will be like, okay, cool, we'll, we'll go help you do this. There's, <laughs> for anyone that's been in the game for a long amount of time and who has, you know, gotten to level cap and whatnot, they're going to just blow through anything that a low-level player is fighting. Um, but it's also a good way to help kind of level them up faster so they can take on more stuff on their own, especially if, you know, they're, they're renting AI that can handle, you know, taking care of some stuff, but they also want to get used to the controls and it takes them a while to find the right commands. Well, they don't have to worry because they're not going to die because they've got some AI to back them up or they've got, you know, another person on the team to back them up and tell them, hey, this is that command and it's very helpful for this particular class.
1: Nice. And I I noticed, too, that um, because the chat is in Romaji, you can actually talk to each other in-game Yes, in English and and communicate that way.
2: Yes. One of the few things that uh, players on the trial aren't able to do is use local chat, which means that there are some side quests that they can't do until they actually get a real version of the game, but it won't lock them out of any of the main story uh but you can still do french chat you can still do team chat even if you're on trial and yeah the the text boxes are pretty small for writing in english because you can say a lot more in a tiny space in japanese um but yeah just just use multiple windows we we, we get it we all know what it's like
1: <laughs> nice um one more question about the experience um because you you mentioned uh you can help level some of the some of the newer characters. Mm-hmm. Um, does the experience uh, does the experience gain happen evenly, or is it more? Is it like Dragon Quest Nine, where it's kind of a formula that pitches to give more experience to the higher level characters?
2: Uh, from what I can tell, I haven't paid really close attention, but it's a little bit pitched, but it's not going to completely. Take away from the person who's lower leveled if you've got someone who's really high leveled. Um, it will af- affect kind of regular fights just a little bit. Um, but also, the game kind of compensates for that by having this particular NPC in every starter village that will give the player an angel slime hat, which, when it's equipped, allows the player to earn three times XP from everything they're fighting. It wow. doesn't work. It doesn't work when you're finishing quests and the XP that you get from that. It's just for fighting. But if you combine that with a uh, Genki Dama, or I think they, they call it double bubbles in localizations where they've had it, it's, it's a consumable item that has you earn two times experience and gold from things regular ones last for a half hour and so yeah if you combine that with the angel slime hat and a boss fight it's gonna just massively increase the amount of experience you're learning you're earning
0: awesome i I do recall using those in the dragon quest 8 3ds version
2: okay that's probably where i saw them localized
0: yeah i I, because you used to get the gifts every day or something
2: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yep And you could get those, and there's some other way to get them, but I definitely remember using those sparingly. I think it was in the Dragon Graveyard when you could first start seeing the King Metal Slimes. I think that's the first place you encounter in that game. Oh, my goodness. I'd saved up so much, and that game was great. Just look left, look right. Oh, there's one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Dragon Graveyard. Oh, I died there because I wandered in. At a low level.
3: (laughs) Oh, yes, you can do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, pretty much a lot of places you can just accidentally wander into somewhere that's enemies are incredibly high level compared to you. And Mm. you can check if you get close to a monster and the little yellow arrow appears. You can hit the button and it will tell you, you know, it's this monster. You've defeated this many of them. Uh if you were to fight it, and then there are different phrases that it fills in after that, and, you know, if you can't read that it says, it would be really dangerous, you <laughs> don't know that that's going to be something that's probably going to kill you.
0: <laughs> I can see where that would be a big problem. Yeah,
2: so, so it's, it's just kind of you explore and you learn.
1: Definitely, I mean, and I, I, that's what I like about the nonlinear aspects of DQ2, that exploration, even down to the first Dragon Warrior. Mm-hmm. where you have to kind of feel it out. Like you, you were saying you had that map that tells you where the harder monsters were. Right. If you, if you didn't have that map and you're playing it for the first time, you're kind of just wandering around getting a feel for, okay, if I go this far distance from Tentagel, like the monsters are slightly harder or too hard and, uh, and I need to dial it back a little bit and level.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's why there's the one NPC that's like, beware the bridges because... You know, when you cross a bridge, that's a pretty good marker of where there's probably going to be a harder set of enemies.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that always happened, especially in the first. <laughs> so, or what... if you
2: were unfortunate enough to walk into the scorpion's nest right at the oh, yeah. to the lower left of Tantagel.
1: Oh, that one square that.
2: Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> so, uh huh.
1: Yep. So, what's the hardest monster you and the team have faced in Dragon Quest Ten?
2: Um. Okay, so I can't say much because it's, gonna, it's a spoiler for the end of an optional side quest chain. And I haven't done it on stream yet, but there's this, the, the end boss of this, it's like a, a string of like six quests, is one of the few times that I've seen the game force you to have a party of eight instead of a party of four.
1: Oh, wow. Wow.
2: And when I did it, I had like the best characters that I could rented and I was with a friend the two of us paired up and they had their best people with them and we still needed to take a couple tries at it before we could finish it. It was really hard and we kind of just squeaked out at the very end with like half the people dead. <laughs> so it was a very difficult fight. Um, I was warned that it would be, but uh, I-, I know there are other optional bosses that also have kind of the eight party member setup. Um, that are also... Um, a lot of them are references to other games in the series, uh, final bosses and whatnot. And... Yes, they're, they're incredibly hard, and I can't imagine what people trying to do it with lower level caps in the past. I can't imagine how they made it through, because I'm sitting there with a party full of eight people at level 110, and we're having trouble.
1: <laughs> what did
2: they do when the level cap was 90? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably pulled their hair out. More often. I, I'm
2: guessing. I am guessing so a lot.
1: So, um, what do, what do you find you spend the most time doing in Dragon Quest Ten?
2: Looking at my translator.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, um, I spend the most time just just doing story. It takes me a very long time, even on my own. Uh, usually I have uh, one or two friends that I usually do the plot with on my main character and she's ahead of where I am in stream um, and I don't do an as absolutely thorough of a translation for that as I do when I'm on stream and I'm trying to get it perfect but I do kind of take a look at anything that I don't understand um, and it's it's a lot of looking upwards I don't know and and just figuring out Okay, in this particular section of the game, these are some words that you would not use in ordinary conversation, but they're going to come up a lot. So let's learn them and just figuring out this is what's going on. So, you know, this character is behaving this way because this Uh, plot, plot takes a lot of time when you are, you're trying, you're not quite fluent, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I spend the most time on. But because level cap is also very high, um, anyone new coming in should expect to spend a lot of time grinding. Uh, there are ways to make it easier. There are um, special dungeons you can run through pretty quickly uh, where you fight, you know, higher XP monsters. Um, in particular, there are special ones that all the monsters will be metal. So it's a very good way to earn some experience uh as long as you can defeat them all. Uh but yeah, you know don't don't neglect leveling up classes other than the ones that you want to focus on is I guess what would be some uh, some advice I would offer to someone just coming into the game.
1: Nice. So um are there any game mechanics that carry over from other DQ games like uh monster recruitment, immigrant towns, uh, mini-games, or even like the Dragon Quest V Marriage? Uh,
2: there are a lot. Um, the There are two classes that can recruit monsters. Uh, Monster Master takes care of recruiting things that, that are actually alive, like your slimes, your sanguinis, those kinds of monsters. And then there's Item Master, which recruits monsters that are things that shouldn't be alive, but are. <laughs> like um, like clockwork cuckoos and mm-hmm. goodie bags
1: things yeah. like that the material family that type of thing
2: yeah so each one of the each of those classes is limited in what you can recruit by um what the game lets you recruit there are scrolls that you have to purchase and then teach your player for those specific monsters so, you can't just go out and recruit any old monster like you could in, say, Dragon Quest V, but there's a pretty good variety.
1: Interesting. So, then are, are they NPCs or do they go to like your, are, are they more collectibles? Like in an immigrant uh, town?
2: They are uh, companion monsters. They c- You can take one with you at any given time and they can fight alongside you as one of your AI. You nice. can equip stuff on them and each monster has. A specific set of gear that it can equip, um, but yeah. For until you you earn affinity points with the monsters, and until you get them to a certain level, the only class that can take them out is the one that recruited them. But they're pretty fun to have. Excellent. As right, far Liam. as um, the other mechanics you mentioned, there have been some mini events that were kind of like marriage, but it's not actual marriage between characters. Um, but those have been pretty fun and well-received. Mini games. Sugoroku is basically a four-player version of TNT, and it's a game in the casino.
1: Interesting. So that that's like the Pachisi tracks that... Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Only the difference is if you gain or lose stats in the game, it doesn't affect your character outside the game you just you just earned casino coins for it
1: nice so uh that yeah that that used to happen in dragon quest 3 for super famicom where your stats would either go up or down depending on how well you were how how well the rng was treating you (laughs) yeah
0: that was definitely a random (laughs) occurrence all right well that sounds fun um so the Dragon Quest series has always had different ways to get around other than just walking, and we were talking about the zoom stones earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's ships. There's the Flying Phoenix, Ramia, um, Flying Carpet. We've had the bed in Dragon Quest Six, Monster Mounts in Dragon Quest Eleven. Are there vehicles or ways to get around?
2: There, is, there is a mount that uh, you have to do a side quest to unlock. And then once you have it, there are any number of prisms that you can attach to it as a customization that will change the appearance. So it kind of looks like uh, a hoverboard with a... uh, It looks like a cross between um, a Segway and a hoverboard, basically, (laughs) is what the mount originally looks like. And yeah, there's an NPC. You bring her prisms, whether you get them from... Completing quests or doing events or you purchase them in the cash shop. Most of them are cash shop. Let's be honest um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> But you,
2: you bring the prism to her and She attaches it to the board and then you can change what it looks like um, My my stream character my favorite one that I have for her turns it into a bubble that she floats in the middle of Uh, There are some mounts that are two-person mounts so you can bring a friend along with you and they just go along for the ride. There are a few mounts that are actually four-person mounts so your entire party could ride with you. Sweet. Um, And they they kind of run the gamut from monsters that are in the game, like there's a a Sabercat one that you get for having a certain amount of subscription time. Um, There's... Uh, One Christmas, I got one that was a pogo stick that makes little wreaths on the ground when I jump. There's (laughs) a a car one. There's a motorcycle. They kind of are all over the place.
1: Batmobile?
2: It looks a little bit like if the Batmobile was a convertible. (laughs) Um, So, And that's one of the ones that's actually two-person, so you could take a friend along in the passenger seat. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, Other than the regular mount, because you would expect an MMO to have a mount when it's that massive. Um, other than that, there are a couple of other ways to get around, but you don't encounter those until a fair bit into the game. So I'm going to keep those a secret.
1: All right. Fair enough. So the uh, um, the one question I think that the Twitterverse really wants to know uh about dragon quest 10 can you pet the dog
2: you can talk to the dog but i uh, i don't think you can pet the dog the the character just doesn't have that animation unless it's part of a cutscene.
1: all right all right sorry sorry twitterverse
2: (laughs) (laughs) i know it's it's disappointing that's one of the things that they improved with 11
1: well maybe maybe version six or seven (laughs) we'll see (laughs) (laughs) so uh we do we do have a couple of uh questions from uh the fans on dragon's den um i think you already answered one from woodus already in terms of uh pushing monsters around on the battlefield Mm -hmm. uh but from dennis uh denizen rather uh yengis the legendary bandit was asking um are there any new songs added to the soundtrack when new versions get released
2: yes there are um Uh, There were there were new ones for uh, version one. Uh, I think there were some kind of general ones that were just used for story that uh, were new and kind of mixed in with tracks that already existed. But each of the five races actually has its own specific music that gets used when you're on that continent. And it really sets the mood for when you're there. You know, you're you're wandering through flowers in the Puklipo area, and it's this very upbeat, cheery, almost like a march. Um, when you're in the Elf territory, it's it's all like wooden flutes and very Eastern sounding music, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> for the expansions, they. The more expansions there are, actually, the more they bring in tracks from other games in the series that people recognize. It's like, hey, I know that one from Seven, or, oh my gosh, that's the battle theme from Five. Uh, but because each version has a new area of the world, that also has new music to represent it. So yeah. I feel like all the all the new stuff really helps set the mood for where you are but it's also a great way that uh to build on what's already there which is kind of how dragon quest soundtracks have been throughout the years
1: yeah that makes sense too that they're that they're going to be reusing a lot of older songs um we started to see that i guess the first time we saw that was maybe with eight when they reused the uh the heavenly flight um phoenix uh ramia theme um but then we started to see that a little bit more and more with, uh, uh, particularly with nine and again with 11. So I could see them, you know, they have such a a rich uh, catalog of Koichi Sugiyama music to kind of pull from. Um, And as he gets on in years, it's probably harder for him to just keep up with like writing new music for various versions and everything.
2: Right, because he would have been writing things for Dragon Quest X at the same time they were making Dragon Quest XI because it's been all going on at the same time. So yeah, pick, it, pick and choose your games, you know?
1: It must be nice, too. I mean, he probably just gets paid for them to reuse the old stuff, too, <laughs> <laughs> like residuals. He just gets probably. paid all the time. Yeah. <laughs>
2: he is very particular about his music, but it's amazing, so I can see why.
1: Hmm. Um, so, also, um, and you, you talked about this a little bit more before, also from Yangus the Legendary Bandit, there's a question that came up. Uh, are there legacy bosses or feral versions of them running around? Because he saw a clip of uh, um, Balzac and some Estark looking, an Estark like monster uh, running in without swords.
2: Yes, yes. And um, some of those are actually going to fall into that whole. Hey, there's this long side quest, and there's an eight person boss at the end. And some of those are actually, uh, I don't want to give away too much. Uh, (laughs) But yes, yes, there are bosses that you will recognize from other points in the game. There are also, there have been crossover events in the game, uh, in particular when they celebrated 30 years of. Dragon Quest 1 and they had a a major celebration for Dragon Quest 3. There were crossover events where you could actually go to pieces of that world that they had created for this event and go fight the bosses there and get that gear. Um,
1: Wow, and it was in 3D. Like an old 2D version rendered in 3D.
2: Yes, but the cool thing was if you opened up your map, it was in the 2D so it awesome. looks a lot like the way the builders games look where you see everything as it is, but then you look at the map and everything is all in pixels. And it was it was really cool. When they did the, the Dragon Quest One event, you actually crossed over a rainbow bridge as you transitioned from one place to part of the Dragon Lord's castle. Um you actually were asked uh do you want half the world? (laughs) And we're, you know, obviously we would say no. Um, There were some people who said yes, and they found out that the same thing happened before. You kind of got kicked out of the event. uh, (laughs)
3: You
2: know, you're standing there and the Dragon Lord is in front of you in version two form and is massive blowing fireballs on you. And it was... Just the coolest bit of nostalgia. So really yeah, great. and then and then from the drops that it gave, you keep doing the event enough, you were able to obtain a full set of Urdric gear. Nice. So that's that's something that's uh, really cool. It's it's not necessarily a a legacy boss, but it was a limited time thing, and it's hard to get a hold of.
0: Is there like a resale, and that people who have that can to other players
2: uh there is um a thing it's called the bazaar um Mm -hmm. uh where you can list stuff but items like that were pretty much bind on pickup so you wouldn't be able to trade them to anyone else
1: okay Mm -hmm. so uh
2: we're hoping that they bring it back someday
1: (laughs) so are there any uh elements or aspects of dq10 that you saw reflected in or having influenced dq11 oh
2: let's see um The first thing that comes to mind is the ability to move around the battlefields, but that doesn't actually do anything in eleven. Well, I take that back. It let me take some cool screenshots.
3: (laughs) But it
2: doesn't doesn't affect the battle at all. Um, But it was interesting that they added it. Uh, I would say more so the fact that the Switch version has the ability to equip an armor set for looks. While still having other gear equipped to be your actual statted gear uh, is more something that I can see as the as DQ10 influencing it That's because classic. the ability to too. yeah being yeah. able to to change your appearance without sacrificing your highest stat gear was is something that I really look forward to being able to do.
0: Excellent. I, I know in. The original uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. I wore that Dundrasil armor. My God, oh, half the game.
3: <laughs>
0: that
2: is such beautiful armor. I love the way the light reflects on it. And anytime I would go somewhere that had, you know, torchlight or anything like that, I'd have to stop and just kind of slowly spin the camera in a circle and just admire the armor.
0: Mm-hmm. I-, I wore that armor so long, without getting into spoilers, I encountered the person wearing it. Later in the game, and I got like the
1: screenshots of us two <laughs> looking at each other like twinsies.
3: <laughs>
1: How did you do that? If like, aren't you supposed to get that armor after that event?
0: No, because okay. you can get the armor in Act One. You get the recipe for it when you're in the Dumbestrel area in uh, Act One. Okay. But the event with the other person doesn't even take place till midway through Act Two. Hmm. So, Is- yeah, it- I was
1: wearing that armor for like 40 hours. Um, speaking of the forge, uh, you mentioned the um, diff- different elements or aspects from DQ10. Is the is the fun size forge in DQ10?
2: It because... is not. But the way that the fun size forge works, like the the actual mechanics and and uh, hitting it to to raise the bars, looks mm-hmm. exactly like weapons crafting and armor craft or armor smithing in Dragon Quest 10. There are a whole ton of crafting crafting uh, different abilities. You have to choose only one to be proficient in. So there's uh, weapon smithing, armor smithing, item smithing, woodworking, sewing, cooking for buff foods, which is more important than it sounds because some of them give experience boosts. boosts. Um, oh, I'm missing something. Oh, there's, there's also lamp alchemy and... Pot alchemy. I think that's everything. Um, okay. But it was pretty easy to see that they basically lifted that particular crafting system straight out of 10 and just put it in 11. And I actually thought it was a lot of fun. I personally, with it being interactive like that, I felt it was more fun than the alchemy pot in eight was.
0: Oh, much more so. Yes. I, I really enjoy that. It gives me a sense of accomplishment, not like hey, I read the recipe online, or hey, it was in my guidebook, (laughs) or hey, I put it together from a thing up there. It was just, my kids even got in the habit of every time I did it, they would stand there and just chant, hammer, 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 hammer. (laughs) And sometimes I'd get into like 30 minutes of I knew I was doing it, and I was like, okay, you guys got to stop. Like, (laughs) You can't chant hammer, hammer, hammer for 30 minutes, the two of you.
2: That's so cute. Yeah, get, definitely getting a, a perfect on crafting something, especially if it was a high level piece, w- had this awesome sense of accomplishment with it.
0: I'll tell you what, in DQ11, the 2D on the Switch, I have probably done crafting 50, 60 times and got one plus three. I don't know if it's the lower resolution, but like I feel like I can't see where it's just perfect enough. Ah, uh. either that or it's just. I mean, I'm only 25 hours into the game, so I don't have all the, um, you know, perfection things, but I got the light tap and I got the, the sizzly puff or whatever it is to mm-hmm. heat it up. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be plus three. It looks really close. And then it's plus one. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is this a difference playing it on, you know, a four inch screen in the 2D kind of graphics compared to my 40 inch? LCD monitor attached to the PS4 or what? But... I mean,
2: that's got to be a part <laughs> of it. But uh, yeah, it's it it. I think the game is just also more, generally speaking, more benevolent to you the <laughs> further you get and the more techniques you learn.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more options for fine tuning as it goes on. And even then, I, I'm trying to remember a year ago, like, did I really get all these plus threes towards the beginning or... I mean, I'm not even Act 2 yet, so uh, there's a long way to go.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: The music from the Fun Size Forge is actually reused from DQ10 according to the soundtrack, the Tokyo Metropolitan Orchestra soundtrack. Um, Is that the same just crafting music that they use?
2: Yeah, if I recall correctly, um, that's it's kind of the general uh, music for... um, any kind of, of crafting, they, let's see, because you don't have to be in a special place to do crafting, you just have to have the right kind of materials in front of you. Um, and you can actually buy kind of, well, you can buy like a little anvil to put in your house or whatever, <laughs> so you can forge, you know, wherever. And uh, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, when you go into the menu, I'm pretty sure it plays the same music But I think that's also the same alchemy music that they used in 8 as well. I don't remember about 9. I last played 9 a long time ago.
1: I think the alchemy pot music is different than the Forge. Is it a little bit? Yeah, 8 and 9 share the same alchemy music. Okay. Um, But I think 10 and 11 have different, different music specific to the Forge.
2: All right, then I'm just crossing wires for those ones. But yeah, it, it was already familiar to me before I got to it in eleven.
1: Um, all right, so this is a tough question. So, in in your opinion, can Dragon Quest X work as a game if it were brought over to the West?
2: I think it could work. Yes. Um, the biggest catch to me that I think is probably keeping it from coming over is cost, because understandable, um, you know. I maybe it's just kind of my little corner of the internet, but I feel like I see a lot of complaints whenever something is going to cost money, but knowing that each of those expansions is a full size game and knowing that you have to pay full price for all of those plus a subscription fee. I just feel like a lot of Western audience would be like, ah, forget it then. So I,
3: it's, it's <laughs> That's possible exactly.
2: that that is what's keeping Square Enix from localizing it. Also, it's just a massive project. Like, I am one person trying to translate as much of it as I can. I can't imagine how much more work on top of that it would be to localize everything. Hmm. Because it's it's a huge difference in how you write everything. you got to not only keep the feel of what... The original text was, but you have to, (laughs) I I will admit a lot of my translations are clunky, but you have to make it sound like something someone would say. And Mm -hmm. I imagine they would probably give different dialects to different races. Right. So much like they did with Eleven, making it seem like a whole world, they would do the same thing with Ten and... It's just such a huge project that just thinking about it kind of makes me feel overwhelmed. So I don't know. It's there's hope for it, especially with how well Eleven has done. It's just really going to be, I think, up to whether or not Square Enix thinks it can profit from it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of a lot of the um, consensus among the fan base as well is that we really want it, but. We understand that there's cost limitations um even Mm -hmm. just in talking with the um marketing team over at square enix about it as i've hounded them multiple times in the past at conventions about this particular game to the point where i just kind of had to stop because i could tell i was just annoying them
3: yeah (laughs) but
1: uh (laughs) and that was above uh, their pay grade yeah right Um, no, I mean, they, they really do want to release as many games as possible, but there's just, uh, there's certain things that are a tough sell and, uh, this one is a tough sell for cost. We just, you know, as I've, as I've said on a couple of uh, previous podcasts, we just need that one really rich fan out there. If you're a one percenter (laughs) and you love Dragon Quest, donate to, and, you know, donate to a patron that'll actually get dragon quest 10 in the west crowdsource it you oh, can really do it you will be you'll be the, the the fan that every fan looks up to i'm sure schlock over in uh, the
0: uk could use some more business <laughs> i was trying to give them some love this week when somebody mentioned something about localization
1: i was like no no no. give, give all the credit
0: to schlock there they're there they did that they put the
1: puns in <laughs> Nice, over here. Yeah, that's that's another thing. You'd have to have a team ready and willing to to update all the puns for Dragon Quest Ten. That's got to insert those everywhere.
2: I have faith that that the team they have that worked on Eleven could do it. They could do an amazing job just just by seeing what they did with like the haikus in uh,
1: Hado. In Hado. Did, not,
2: <laughs> it did not exist in the original. They spoke normally there in the Japanese, if <laughs> if a little formally. But it's like you took that. the The uh, mermaids didn't rhyme in the Japanese, so it's like it's it's amazing what they did with the localization. Mm. They would do wonderful things with Ten. It's just kind of getting it through the door
3: Mm -hmm.
0: do you think um i know the producers mentioned something about a year ago about well you know there's been talk about maybe bringing an offline of version one over as a standalone
2: i think that was was that the the japanese director for Mm Ted? I mm-hmm. think said said that. And a lot of people went, yes, do that. And I think it could work. They would need to find some way to make um, renting characters work without the online component. And we would unfortunately lose the the seasonal events and things like that. Mm-hmm. But if we just had the story and all of the side quests, I think it would still be worth it. It would be a little bit more... Doable of a project without as many moving parts um, but yeah, I mean even if that's the only version that we get it's it's still worth it and it's a it will be a wonderful story to experience if we can in English, so fingers crossed
1: yeah I mean yeah. any any way shape or form yeah absolutely um, so is there anything else you would want potential newcomers to know about the game
2: uh if you're going to get into it in Japanese, be prepared for the language barrier uh, to be frustrating. Um, English resources are out there, but they're not always gathered in one place. So oftentimes you have to search for the information if there isn't someone immediately at hand who can answer it for you. Um, There are a lot of helpful people on the team. Uh, Just, you you know, if you come in and, and join the team, just, you know, be nice about it. Don't demand answers. Um, there, I've, I've seen some people come in and just be really rude about, you know, why isn't there already... Um, all this English information in one place because like, because we're all doing other things some of the people in the team have been there since it came out in 2012 so the particular question that you're asking the answer for they played seven years ago and they haven't thought about it since so <laughs> you know it's uh it's that kind of thing um if uh, the other thing is to uh, mind your manners with when you're interacting with other people uh, that aren't in the team. Talking in English in team chat is, is great. It's just fine. No one's going to... Police that unless you start dropping story spoilers. Please don't drop story spoilers. Um, <laughs> but if you're kind of using local chat and there are other Japanese players around and you're, you know, saying a whole bunch in English or you're saying something that even they can tell is rude, there's a much higher chance that your account will get reported. Um, it doesn't happen that much. I think the for the most part, accounts getting reported is people who are trying to do, you know, real money transactions. And that's <laughs> that's the one thing that you absolutely should not do. Uh that's where most of the bans come in. But if you annoy the wrong person, your account can get a block on it. Or, you know, if you try to do something that the account wasn't meant to do and all of a sudden you need to contact customer support and you don't know how to talk to them, that could instantly get a block put on your account too, and then you lose that character. So just, you know, be careful. If you're not sure what you're doing, ask questions, have patience. You know, people have day jobs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They, they might not get back to you for a day or two with whatever you're asking about. It's okay. That's, that's just kind of my advice for anyone new to getting in the game and, and considering joining the Dragon's Den team. Nice.
0: All righty. So we're about wrapping this up here. Um, our last like main question to you is mm-hmm. one we uh, put forth to all of our guests. And uh, it's our little fun game that we tweet out every so often and re- really try to get people thinking about this. It's okay. our Mary Thwack Puff Puff. We're going to okay. give you three options here. And uh, out of these races from Dragon Quest Ten. Which race would you rather marry into? Which one would you rather twack? Bye-bye, whole race. Or the most beautiful of the one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then segueing into that, like, who would you like to get a puff puff from? Okay. So uh, we, we picked three races for you. All right. Um, the Weddy, right? That's the uh huh. The, the ogre. Okay. And the dwarf.
2: Uh, I noticed that you have not included either of the races that my characters actually are on this list. (laughs) Um, Does that make it
1: easier or more difficult?
2: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That would probably require even more thought. Okay, let's see. Um, I would marry the Weddy. I would thwack the Dwarf. I'm sorry, dwarves. I'm sorry. You're adorable, <laughs> and you're really good at building things. And I would uh, puff off the ogre. Yeah,
1: nice. Did this just get you in trouble with some of the other members of the Den team? Uh,
2: I I might be just a little bit uh for that for that uh, thwack choice. <laughs> but honestly, I think I might have been in more trouble if I'd thwacked either one of the other two races because I think. The ogre and the weddy are actually the two most popular. Okay. Or at least the in in my experience. No, I mean that's how (laughs) I honestly would have answered the question because weddy are probably my second favorite race after the elves. Okay. And uh, none, you don't want to do anything bad to a puklipo. They're just cute. (laughs) (laughs) Roll around there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's why i left them off i was like i'm get awkward with the whole puff puff thing here and
2: yeah yeah back in the little
0: tiny ones that's that's a little bit awkward too so yeah <laughs> I, I did actually put more than a moment's thought into the three that i chose
2: <laughs> that's appreciated <laughs>
1: So we do want to say thank you very much for all of the uh, work you've been doing um, to help promote Dragon Quest X and translate it um, on your stream. And uh, in addition, we wanted to give a shout out to other fans who've been trying to get this game brought over to the West. Um, I did want to mention Soma QZ's campaign to uh, uh, write in support tickets that actually got the attention of the DQ10 developers. Um, That probably happened around three or four years ago. Um, and uh, ultimately, it didn't end up uh, with any um, uh, any actual physical release yet. But we did hear uh, about that potential offline mode. Um, so I think it uh, every little bit helps if you are um, trying to get this game brought to the West. Um, it, it's great to uh, uh, see campaigns like this come to fruition.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't think that anybody over there can say, oh, are there Western fans that want this? <laughs> right. They know. They know. Yeah,
2: they know. You, yeah. Yuji Horii came over here so many times promoting Eleven. He he knows how mm-hmm. much we want Dragon Quest over here.
0: And uh, what was it's been kind of the golden age recently of a uh, Dragon Quest. We've got what other year can you say we've gotten five games released? I mean, we got the three, the original three for the Switch. We got a, a, Eleven definitive we've got builders 2 and the announcement of uh dragon quest of the stars yeah who would have ever thought a mobile game would be coming over here
2: particularly a mobile game that is just celebrating its five-year anniversary over in japan
0: yeah so if we can get five-year-old mobile games maybe we can get eight-year-old
1: mmos
2: right or a part of
1: it at the very least i did just see uh uh, i think this was again on instagram someone reported that a. uh Liquid metal slime was found at someone's house, so I guess I guess everyone's just going to go like try to f- track down that guy's house to get to get this rare <laughs> monster <laughs> for Dragon Quest Walk. Yeah, for DQ oh. Walk. <laughs> I guess that's how that works.
2: That's amazing.
1: That's kind of like the people who are like wandering into wrong into the wrong neighborhoods playing Pokemon Go. Oh yeah, <laughs> getting like mugged. Not that that's something you should laugh about, but you know, it kind of is.
3: <laughs>
0: All righty, so well that's it for this episode. Um, we'd like to thank you, Noaria, for joining us tonight on Slime Time.
2: Thank you that's, for having me.
1: Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much for for joining us today. Um, you can check out Noaria's Twitch stream at Twitch.tv/Noaria um, Thursdays from two to seven Pacific time. Um, she also has a playlist for her past streams on YouTube. Uh, She regularly streams on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, but the games on Mondays and Tuesdays change up a lot. Um, And you can find links to all of this in our show notes.
0: Yes. All right. One thing that you might have noticed, um, we say this every time, is that there's no mention of a Patreon or anything on our podcast. We're just longtime fans that want to speak about the game series we know and love so much. If you do have some money burning a hole in your pocket, um, consider sliding over to the Dragon's Den at www.wutus.com den and click on the button support this site Woodis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den site for over 20 years now and I'm sure he would appreciate any donation big or small um, also you can use he's got lots of Amazon affiliate links to buy any of the more recent Dragon Quest games anything that is still being published on Amazon and sold new
1: it's there so go ahead, give him a few cents for when you buy a new game. And if you have any questions or comments for us, you can find us on Twitter at PlatyM3 or at Realme Celestrian, or hit, us, hit both of us up uh, simultaneously at DQ Slime Time. Consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the few remaining DQ forums still around, and uh, find it on the Dragon's Den main page uh, or at www.woodis.com forums.
0: And we'd like to thank everyone that made this possible,
1: like Brian,
0: Mr. Woodus himself, for his support of the series and this podcast and keeping the Dragon's
1: Den lights on for a couple decades now. And thanks to Amanda Laprie and the Descendants of Erdrich for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descendants of Erdrich is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard, check them out in their most recent album, Advent, uh, uh, at uh, www.descendantsoferdrich.com or on Twitter at D of Erdrich. Or go see their band leader, Amanda Laprie live on tour as a guitarist with Andrew WK.
0: And big thanks to Dwayne Bullock, our wonderful graphic artist, DQ fan, and a former guest on the show, for making the awesome artwork for, cover for this podcast. Dwayne was also on the original iterations of the Slime Time podcasts five, six, seven, eight years ago now. Because I remember on one of them, they were actually talking about, hey, Dragon Quest X is coming out soon. Can't wait till it comes west. Ouch. Um, But you can check out more (laughs) of his work. (laughs) That's one of the only phrases I remember listening to those old ones. Like, hey, it shouldn't be long before we get a Dragon Quest uh, 10 in the West announcement.
1: Yeah, they were pretty sure of that.
0: They they really were. (laughs) I I wonder what in eight years we'll be saying that people will be laughing at you and I about. Um, So you can check him out at Dwayne Art on Instagram or his website, dwaynebullockart.bigcartel.com.
1: And finally, if you're looking for more DQ podcasts, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, YouTube, and more. Uh, Please also check out other Dragon Quest podcasts available like Puff Puff Hour and Dragon Quest FM. And if you are Square Enix of America or Square Enix or Yuji Hori, please release Dragon Quest X. (laughs)
2: Please. We would all really appreciate it.
1: We Dragon Quest X for the West, please. We want to read
0: it in English. Even Noiria, who's put in hundreds of hours, I'm sure she'd appreciate all of her translation abilities not being needed for everybody for a while. <laughs> <laughs> she could just play in peace and not have to pull out the dictionary and explain it to all the rest of us. Right. <laughs> so again, Noiria, thank you very much for being with us. Liam, thanks so much. Thanks for doing this again.
1: Yeah. Bye, everyone. DQ Slime Time, slamming off.